Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Good, cloudy, cold day, people in the world. Hello. <laughs> it's Max Minardi here. It's Johnny Summers, and if we sound sick as hell... We are. In, indeed true. It's uh, Fresh Hop Cinema. We're a podcast about craft beer and film, uh, and a unique thing's happening. We both have cups of tea in the in the studio today. Yours is gross. You don't like it, even mm-hmm. though uh, it's throat coat, which if you're a throat coat lover out there, you know it's amazing. And if you don't like throat coat, it's there's probably the licorice thing that you don't like, and it t- makes it taste all earthy and gross. It's funky. I like it. Yeah. The point is, um, we're we're sort of a few hours late on our episode here. We almost weren't going to do this, but then we figured we'd push through and, and try to get some stuff done because we had beers. Johnny took a trip down uh, down south from us to get it. We'll get into that in a little bit. And we both saw a movie, and we just figured, why not? We'd give it a shot. Why not? Um, all that to say, if you haven't heard the show before. We cover two craft beers and one movie each and every week. This week, we're covering a film called Ford vs. Ferrari. If you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. We're not going to spoil it till the end of the show in the danger zone. Johnny, if people want to get a hold of us on social media or uh, more intimately, how can they do that? Call me. Sure. Also, check out us. Us. Check us out at I don't care. the, intima- <laughs> the social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Twitter, and maybe Facebook again someday. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Also, website freshhopcinema.com. Yep. Fun stuff there. Email us, fhccast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you can do it for as little as a dollar an episode on patreon.com slash fhc. And then also, if you don't want to do any of that, but you still want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Or just tell us we're nice. Or, or that. But iTunes is like sort of, the, I think it's like 70% of all listens of every podcast ever uh, go through iTunes or Apple podcast because Apple rules the world these days. Um, so just leaving us a rating takes like 30 seconds. It helps more people discover our show and it really means a lot uh, and continues to motivate us to make these podcasts when we are under the beautiful but dastardly weather. Yes. Okay. Spooky Puppy. Spooky. Is a beer that you picked up. Yeah. And I just wanted to say the name at least once because I know you're going to be telling me a little bit more about it, but I want to say it because it's a fun name. It's a fun looking can. Please tell me where you got it, how much it was, what kind of beer it is, all that fun stuff so yeah. we can drink it. Totally. Spooky Puppy is a beer made by Temescal Brewing and I got it at Final Gravity in Roseville, it was $5.49 for a beautiful 16-ounce can, which is a bargain, I'd yep. say, for any 16-ounce can. Let me read a little about what they say. Also, Tim Mescal's from Oakland. Yeah. Just mention that. Oh, I figured out what, the, what it won. Oh, please. It says on the can. Oh, it does? Yes. Rabbit hole <laughs> resolved. Uh, every Halloween at Tim Mescal, we host a contest to determine the spookiest puppy. Mango is an absolutely frightening bunch of grapes. <laughs> So the, <laughs> that the, sentence doesn't make sense yep. unless you see the can. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and 2018's official spookiest puppy. Whoa. 2018 or 19? It, the can says 2018. That's uh, a typo because this was canned October 7th, 2019. Or they just used that, like, the, their one year behind. Oh, that's so true. Just, I don't know, for sake of making the art and all that. Oh, that's true. If it's last year's, it gets done. Because, yeah, if you did it this year's, it so wouldn't when, be. So when this was canned on? 10, 7, 19. Yeah, okay. They wouldn't have had time. Yeah. to be a new puppy. Right, so this year's winner will come out next year. Makes sense. Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, he was 2018 Spookiest Puppy. Bring your pup to the brewery on Halloween for a shot at being next year's Spooky Puppy. There it is. I Dude. should just let you read. Yep. So their logo and their their motto is fresh beer, no jerks. Fair. I like that. That's solid. I think that's our motto too, isn't it? Deal. Yeah. So yeah, this is a hazy IPA, 6.2%. 
and Mango is a grape. He's dressed up this little tiny, I don't know, what is he? What kind uh, of dog? He looks like a like a schnauzer or a Yorkie maybe to me. Yeah, some kind of like a Yorkie mix. my wife were here, she would do that because I know exactly what it is. Yep. It's a cute little dog uh, dressed up like grapes. Right. So if you had to dress up your dog as anything, what do you think you would dress Rhaegar up as? I would, I've thought about this actually. Of course um, you have. Gianna's not going to listen to this. Gianna's the name of my wife, but there's these, in, there's these Instagram or just any social media advertisements seem to be more and more ubiquitous these days. But there's one in particular that I keep seeing, which is like print your dog's face or body on a blanket or socks or a sweater. Um, and I thought about getting Gianna one of those. Um, and in a roundabout sort of way to answer your question, what I would dress my dog up as is Gianna. Because I want to get a company that makes dog sweaters with human faces. Oh, that'd be amazing. So I want her to wear uh, hers with him and him with hers. That'd be great. But I can't find it. If anybody knows that, please let me know. Well, you have a big dog. You could That's just the, get And a, he's got a weird body shape. Like, you could just get a tiny, like a, a sweater. I mean, we, you saw him when he came in. Like he's wearing his, his winter clothing, which is just a, a large t-shirt mm-hmm. that we put on to keep him warm. He's a greyhound. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, he's big. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like it doesn't. You can't just buy like a generic dog sweater because they don't fit. He's got like a really big chest and a tiny little to like hips. I guess. Waist, waist. Yeah. yeah. Um, got yeah, that round thing in your face. <laughs> uh, I could just get him a t-shirt though, like it, and then just put the print on the back and tie it. I don't, that could work. Yeah, it would we totally do work because you can always, you know, adjust it yeah, just so sure. to where the it, John. I almost said the logo. Yeah, the logo <laughs> of her face. The logo of her face. So nothing else though. No, no like you wouldn't dress. He, he kind of looks like a fruit bat. I might try to do that up a little bit. I could see that. Yeah, you got that long kind of pointy snout. Yeah. What about you? You don't have a dog, but your cats maybe? Yeah, we got our cat a sweater and he hated it, but I don't yeah. know. I could see Trip being like a pumpkin. Yeah. Because he's pretty round you already. Just, yeah, just paint him orange. Just, it. Exactly. You're solid. Yep. Other than that, I don't know. It'd be funny to dress him up as squirrels. Yeah. Because cats just chase squirrels. You could do it. You could um, kind of like, you ever see one of those photos where it's a bunch of cats, but you don't know it because they look like stegosauruses? Is that the big the big dinosaurs with the crane necks? Like the cat tails look like those dinosaurs? I think so. I think that's not a stegosaurus. It's a I can't think of what it is. But Bronco, he, Broncosaurus. Yeah, that's Bronco, close. Bron- Brontosaurus. A Bronco. Bronca. Bronchi- yeah, bron- it's bronchitis. Bronchi- yeah. <laughs> so they look like a bronchitis. Yes. Um, that would be a cool thing to do for cats. Like, mm. if you haven't heard, and like kind of paint them in a way where like you make their legs look like they're you flip them like a, they're like, like a, a dinosaur. Ba- it's like a dinosaur running backwards. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I don't know. That'd be fun. But let's get to this beer. I really want to taste it. Have you tasted it yet? I have tasted it. Okay. I have to assume it tastes like mango, but that's just misleading. Yeah. No, that's just the dog. There's no mango. It doesn't taste like grapes either. That's about. And he's dressed like a grape. Sure. So, no, it's nice. It's it's hazy. It's it's robustly um fruity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a lot of orange in there. Yeah. It's um it's thick. It's got a nice viscosity to it. It it really coats the mouth. It's a little bit sweeter than I'd like, but it it kind of blends in well. It drinks like sweet up front with a tiny bit of bitter, bitterness on the back end. Agreed. It's um a bit of bitterness. A bit of bitterness. It's it's actually pretty pretty light despite the thick mouthfeel. Um I don't feel like it's one of those uh particularly cloying sweet juicy beers. Yeah. Um it still kind of finishes, I think, like a West Coast IPA. Very, very hoppy and very bright. Yeah. But it does start sort of muted and a little bit rounder, mm-hmm. if I can use words like that today. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's good, though. Uh, again, I think maybe if the disclaimer needs to be said, we're not. Are you pretty congested, too, or not really? Uh, I was. I'm better now. I think my, okay. my taster is about 90%. Oh, good, because I'm, I'm rocking at like 50 right now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. My, my beer reviews <clears throat> today are going to be a little bit skewed. 
But you're going to give some general ideas. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> it seems solid to me. No, it's nice. It is. It's it's pretty refreshing. I would say it's kind of exactly as advertised. Yeah. And I like it for that finish. That nice mm-hmm. hoppy I did punch. Cuz I don't want it to finish like super sweet. No. I like that. Remind you you're drinking a beer. Yeah, it's always nice. I also think that it's a it's a really cool idea. Yeah. For a beer, I think I think more and more with craft breweries making as many beers as they are these days, or as many breweries as there are, mm-hmm. um, you kind of get points for originality, totally and ideas for a beer. Because um, so often it's just like hot bomb triple IPA with what, and it's like that's cool, yeah. Like, but like dog costume contest, but, put the dog on the can. That's that's a cool idea. Yeah. It's a nice marketing thing. I didn't even know that. I just got the beer because the can was cool, which says a lot in and of itself. Like, yeah, that drew your eye. It's a really nice can. It is. Also, Final Gravity has a great selection. And a ton. What of, is Final Gravity? It's a tap room and bottle shop in Roseville, and awesome. I was in the region working, so I went by on my lunch break, picked up some stuff. I am definitely going to go back down there when I can try some of their beers on tap. They had a really cool. It's a tiny little place too. Mm. I've heard people go in there for years, and I thought it would be bigger, but <clears throat> it's nice. They have probably ten or twelve taps, and uh, that's solid. A ton of beers to go. The coolers on coolers on coolers. Can you open a beer from a cooler there and drink it? I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, that's always a nice perk of a place like that. Yeah, just drink it on premise. Yeah, right. Totally. Especially if like if they have broken down four or six packs, you can try one before you buy the whole thing. Yeah. And that's always a really nice thing because when you get into the craftier stuff, it can get expensive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to walk out of there with a $24 six-pack or four-pack, really, that I've never tried before. Yeah. You know, like with this, I I'm think sure, they yeah. had I'm sure they must packs. have. Yeah, and this uses like six bucks for this can, so you're probably talking like 20-something dollars. Yeah, I think it was in that ballpark, so yeah, definitely good to try. Yeah, and I liked it. They had a ton of um, distribution that we don't see up here. I think because they're far, so far south, they mm-hmm. might get some Bay Area. Oh, sure. So it was cool, man. They had like all kinds of stuff in there. So if you've never been, go check that place out. It's uh, in a nice area. Yeah. There's a sushi place right next door that looked good. There you go. If, that, if you're into that. Yeah. I will be definitely heading back down there just because, I mean, it's in like Granite Bay, Roseville area. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all so close to all the breweries like you yeah. could be there from sacramento in 20 minutes sure easily uh, final gravity you said it's called yeah cool and it's a great place to grab to-go bottles like i'd never had anything from temescal mm-hmm. temescal however you say it i think temescal is the way to go it, it's fine i yeah. think i think that works for me great it feels good to say if you're from oakland you're like you're probably yelling like that's whatever it is i'm gonna say temescal but it's it's a it's a neighborhood in oakland yeah sort of and neighborhood the right word it's also a word in spanish is it yeah that makes sense a lot of California places are. Yeah. I don't know what would be the appropriate, maybe a region. I don't yeah. Know. It's an area of Oakland. Yeah, Let's sure. Let's go with that. But I like this beer a lot. I'm impressed. I would reach out for something from Temescal again. Yeah, same. Um, it's it's a tad on the, like, that muted thing that you start with sort of uh, is a bummer to me a little bit. It's not like, it's not the most wow, wowing beer that I've ever had, obviously. Um, but it's certainly not bad. Yeah. I like it a lot. Don't love it. Uh, and I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Nice. Where do you land on this? It's like a 6.3. All right. It's it's good. It's not great. <clears throat> I think it's obviously above average. And it's fun. I like the why of this beer sure. as much as the the what. So it's anything with a fun story behind it, and especially involving animals, is always going to be a soft spot. So Fair. Yeah, I'd, I definitely am going to try some more stuff from them if I see it. And if you see it, you should try it too. Right. That's Spooky Puppy from Temescal Brewing, uh, the 2019 version. Check it out if you get a chance. Let us know. We're moving right along into Flick Picks, and we're going to talk about a movie called Dolomite Is My Name. Just recently got released onto Netflix, um, and it's a story of Rudy Ray Moore, who created the iconic big screen pimp character Dolomite uh, in the 1970s series of exploitation films. 
have you seen any of the original movies or did you get a chance to catch up with the new one? Uh, no, I think like maybe the only thing close to this genre I've seen is like Jackie Brown or Shaft. I don't think I've even seen any you, of the old Shaft movies. No, oh, but the new Shaft you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we saw that together. Yeah. But okay, sure. But not like the classics of, of that, right. that, that genre. No. Okay. Uh, well, so this this movie originally came out. It, it was premiered at the Toronto Film Festival on September 7th. It got wide released to Netflix on October 25th. So it's only been out for a couple of weeks. Um, it was directed by Craig Brewer, who did Black Snake Moan, Hustle and Flow, and the weirdly enough, the remake of Footloose in 2011. All right. But, and here's where it gets crazy. It stars Eddie Murphy, Keegan-Michael Key, Wesley Snipes, Mike Epps, Devine Joy Randolph, Craig Robinson. Uh, it also has cameos from Snoop Dogg and Chris Rock. Nice. Like a whole stacked cast of people, a lot of them having a ton of fun in roles that you don't usually see them in. And it was great just to see. This movie's a bit like... Uh, so, okay, so it tells the story of this guy who was the character behind Dolomite, basically. Okay, he was the inspiration. Pretty much, and he's the creator and the writer. So, again, his name is Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, that's Eddie Murphy's character. Um, and it's sort of, it's like the disaster artist. Do you remember that movie that was about the room? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that, but black exploitation okay. style. Um, they had very little money to make the first Dolomite movie and try to get studio backing, but it was very much like a ground up effort and hmm. just trying to dude, Rudy Ray Moore is trying to like make it. That's his dream in the movie. It's like, I just, I've always wanted to be famous. So he tries his hand at stand up comedy and music and, and finally decides he wants to get into, uh, acting. And so he wants to make this movie. Um, if you haven't seen Dolomite, the 1975, um, it's a crime comedy, and it was going to be sort of, uh, sort of up the, up the river, up the, what's the word I'm looking for? Up the, in the vein. That's what I'm looking for. In the vein of, go. in the vein of like a shaft, like a, like a, like a crime, thriller, drama character, black exploitation movie. Um, but it ended up being more comedy than it was drama or hmm. action. Was that on purpose? Do you know or? Well, yes and no. Like I think it was. It seemed clear in this movie that. Moore was very much a comedic dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it here somewhere. It sounds like he was quite the character. He was. And, and it's interesting seeing Eddie Murphy do this sort of thing, like, because it works in a way that something like Dr. Doolittle doesn't, but it's equally as absurd at times. Like, mm. his character, he's so much larger than life that it could very easily fall apart and feel cartoonish. Okay. And it does tell that line sometimes, but I think he veers towards real nice. caricature. This is kind of a, a return for Eddie Murphy, too. Yeah. I mean, he's, I can't think of the last thing I've seen him in, really. He's been out of the public eye for a while. I mean, same with Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Uh, well, he's been in prison. Oh, is that real? Yeah. For what? I don't know. I think it was tax stuff, but he was locked up for sure. Sure. Okay. I think after Blade Trinity, I'm pretty sure he, been that he went away. Yeah. I don't think I've seen him in. I should Google that to anything. be sure. But sure. like, I'm pretty sure he was in jail. I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, it makes, at the very least, I haven't seen him in anything in a very long time. Um, anyway, so Rudy Ray Moore is, he's, he's working in a record shop in the movie and he's trying to get his music played on the radios and like really trying to hustle. And this dude that comes into their uh, record shop, uh, this homeless guy, I can't think of his name. Um, but he's like always like telling jokes and it's very much like a, a rhyme scheme where it's like one sentence and another rhymes and that's the punchline. And that's kind of how he develops his comedy. Okay. And basically the movie Dolomite just is an extension of that. The character Dolomite is somebody that Rudy Ray Moore developed to be an onstage sort of pimp persona. Okay. Um, and he's just like, well, let's just make a movie about this guy. And that's what the original Dolomite is about. Hmm. Um, but, but Dolomite is my name. This film in 2019 is sort of just the whole backstory behind how that came to be. And um, sort of the behind the scenes stuff. It feels at times like the greatest showman. Okay. Uh, the Hugh Jackman movie from last two years ago, last year, whatever. Yeah. 
Um, and not in the best way. There's times where, I mean, it's such a large cast and it's, it covers a large enough time frame where a lot of the characters don't get time to be developed. And it just feels like they're there to sort of, I don't know, be auxiliary props for Eddie Murphy's character, mm. which is fine. I mean, I don't really think it has to be an amazing movie in that regard. I don't think this is about necessarily the other characters. I think it's about Rudy Ray Moore's character. Okay. And I think Eddie Murphy does a fine job. Okay. Um, so if you have the, it's a very crude film. I should say that it's rated R. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of swearing and crudeness. There's some nudity. Um, it's almost two hours long too, but it's on Netflix. Like I said, so you can give it a shot. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, but it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Uh, but I think if you get a chance to check out Dolomite is my name, give it a shot. It's, it's worth it. I think. Okay. If I rated it, which I will now, I'd give it a, you know, a six, six right. out of 10 solid, easily watchable movie. It's not fantastic. Nice. But it's fine. I completely forgot, but I did have a flick pick. Hit me. As you know, this is the week of a holiday. Ah. That holiday is Thanksgiving. I was hoping, I hope you're going the way that I'm going to go, that I was going to go. I don't know. What did you watch? We'll find out. Uh, The best, hands down, Thanksgiving movie. You really set me up. I hope hope we're going to say the same thing. Planes, Planes, trains, trains, and automobiles. automobiles. My man. 100%. You watched it? Yeah. Good. If you're going to watch one movie the week of Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving with your drunk uncle, Sure. Me at Thanksgiving sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. 1987 flick starring Steve Martin, John Candy. So good. Maybe the best travel movie, like just holiday caper movie mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through such ridiculous hijinks, and uh, it's got a really nice story and moral like center. It's it's just overall a really well done movie, and yeah. it holds up. Uh, it's silly. It's heartwarming. It's funny. It's something you can watch with the whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I cannot recommend it enough. It's so good, man. I mean, they have that dynamic. Like Steve Martin's kind of an asshole in that mm-hmm. movie, and John Candy's the opposite. He's so lovable. He's a lovable doofus. I know. Um, I don't know why. If you haven't seen it, you got to go watch it. Seriously, it's, it's so good. It's um, a must watch. And it's one of those movies. I have this thing that we've talked about on the podcast where, like, I get I, it like pulls on my heartstrings to see like an old man eating alone in a diner. Mm. Just something about it, especially at night, especially around the holidays. And I feel like this movie gets that same emotion at points. Right. It just kills me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're so, it's sort of like a road trip, obviously, like trying to get home for the holidays sort of thing. But it's the two of them together are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's about what Steve Martin's character is trying to just get to Chicago from New York yep. for Thanksgiving. Yep. Just trying to get home for the holiday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing how badly it goes. Because they, they both miss a plane? Is that how it starts? I think they meet in the airport after missing a plane, yeah. and then they Those end both up go together. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're like they kind of coincidentally end up like on a train together, and then and then they end up renting a car together, sure. and that car catches on fire. So and oh, it's so there's so much goodness here, right? That it's just it's a must watch if you've never seen it. Where did you watch it? At home. It was just did on stream streaming. It? Where yeah. where did you stream it? I don't remember. I think it was on Amazon Prime. Okay, it was just on one of one of them. Of, yeah, cool. It's it's out there. It's super out there. Yeah, so check that movie out. And that puts you in the mood for the holiday, too. Fair. It's so good. Uh, okay, well, that's that's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, guys. Yeah. We're not going to see most of you. So happy Thanksgiving. I won't see us. any of you. Probably not in the next two days. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, well, that's Flick Picks. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Ford versus Ferrari. We're not going to spoil it. Um, so if you haven't seen it, don't worry. And we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in need of some delicious food, beer, wine, cocktails, and maybe even a gift card 
to sneak under the tree for Christmas, you should go down and check out the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. It's a great place to eat. It's a great place to drink. It's a great place to bring your family. And they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all their draft beers. Again, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. Take your family down. Take your friends down. Take yourself down. Don't forget, they've got gift cards. So give the gift of the Handlebar this holiday season. We've known each other, Ken. I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. You just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. All right. Come here. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. More pills. I'll go to hell. The 24 hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And uh, he calls you fat, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> Ford hates guys like us because we're different. Well, we heard he's difficult. Ken? No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. There's a problem. The computer will find it. Get some Scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Ken Miles is not a Ford man. We're on the verge of something. And now you tell me that I can't have the best man in the world behind the wheel? Give me one reason why I don't fire everyone starting with you. Well, sir, we're lighter, we're faster. And that don't work, we're nastier. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. You got a plan. It's high risk. I thought the whole point was to win the damned race. If this were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks hard, everything. All right, that was a trailer for Ford versus Ferrari, a movie about Carol Shelby, who is a car designer, and his friend and driver, Ken Miles, as they work together to battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford Motor Company and take on the dominating race cars of Enzo Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France in 1966. This film was directed by James Mangold, who has done films such as Logan, Walk the Line, Girl Interrupted, uh, Night and Day. It stars Christian Bale as Ken Miles, Matt Damon as Carol Shelby, John Bernthal, Tracy Letts, Noah Jupe, and Catriona Balfi. Really quickly, some cold hard facts. This movie runs two hours and 35 minutes long. It was released on November 15th of 2019. It's rated PG-13. Uh, it was made with a production budget of almost $100 million at 97.6. Uh, it made $31.4 million opening weekend. And as of the 26th of November, it has made $105.8 million. Doing pretty well for itself. 
Johnny Summers, what do you think of this movie? Well, you know, this movie has a palpable cool factor. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest car designers that's ever lived, Carol Shelby, uh, facing off against Enzo Ferrari uh, in a true story about the 1966 Le Mans. Uh, and the birth of the Shelby GT, one of the most iconic race cars, supercars ever constructed. And its sole purpose was to beat Ferrari. So uh, if you know anything about like the history of automobile sports and racing and anything about Carroll Shelby, this is going to be like a really cool movie for you. And this movie tickled all of those itches for me as far as just like it had nostalgia. It had like the cool montages of like assembling a race car and like getting it to work good. And, you know, I swear to God, I smelled gas a few times as I was watching this movie. Uh, you know, cinematically there were a few problems with it. I wasn't a big fan of some of the pacing in this movie and, um, in the danger zone, I'll talk about some of the third act problems that I didn't really enjoy, but overall I thought this movie was pretty damn cool. I enjoyed watching it and I absolutely loved every single moment of the screen. Christian Bale, and Matt Damon were together. Their chemistry was, I thought, really genuine, and I really dug the way that they were written, uh, and I believed it. I liked their acting together, and I think overall this movie was pretty damn cool. So on one hand, very cool movie. Yeah. Cars, fun stuff. On the other hand, it's also, like, great performances. It's a movie, if you take aside all the car stuff, if you don't know, if you couldn't, even after you said it just now, I couldn't, you said a GT, Shelby, what The Shelby you GT. No idea. Couldn't care less. <laughs> but... This is a movie that uh, you can watch, and it doesn't have to be about cars. It can be about um, the emotions of these two men. It can be about um, sort of an underdog story kind of thing, which always works on screen. Yeah. Um, and it can be about these two performances. It can be about a number of performances. It can be about some of the awesome cinematography. There's some beautiful shots. It can be about the... A father-son. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the limited but effective soundtrack, I think, that works really well here. Um, for me, uh, again, I like, don't really care about the cars, though... I'm into it. Like when the races come on, I think it's a testament to James Mangold. You're like, it's, it's, in, it's, it's invigorating. It's mm -hmm. exciting filming. Um, so like I enjoyed that stuff. I think that like what you're saying, Bale and Damon on screen are great. It's cool to see Christian Bale have fun with something. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a movie that I've seen him smile, like maybe more than once in the past 10 years. Totally. Um, so he's digging that here. It's, you can tell that he's, you can tell the two of them are having fun. Um, it's just, it's a solid movie. Yeah. And I didn't like it at all. Really? No, I didn't. And it's really good, but it's not, I don't care. And I said this to you, going, and I tried to go in with an open mind too. Yeah. I like it enough. I don't dislike the movie, but it's, I think this is a movie that's going to get a ton of Oscar buzz for these, these performances. People are going to rave about it. And then by the time next year rolls around, no one's going to talk about this movie until it comes on at 530 on a Thursday on TNT, totally. you know, and like, there's going to be fucking Ford commercials on either side of it, mm -hmm. but people are going to be barbecuing and drinking Coors Light and it's going to be a cool movie movie and that's fine which is it's great it's a fine movie and i think it's actually a really good movie i'll say it's a really good movie i just don't care yeah which is also fine you yeah. know um i mean movies aren't for everyone exactly uh, but i do think it's it's really cool to see like it's not it's not a remake of something mm -hmm. it's not a superhero movie uh, it's a, it's a cool idea it's there's a there's a pocket in in the cultural zeitgeist for this kind of movie it feels like it feels it just feels like a movie that is going to be on TV and when it's on, you watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, a note about James Mangold. I mentioned some movies he's done in the past, like Logan. Love Logan. We both loved Logan. Um, Walk the Line is a great movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, again, like you don't really have to be super into John. Have you seen Walk the Line? Mm, oh yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to love Johnny Cash. I don't love Johnny Cash, but it's, it's a good 
way to tell that story. Girl Interrupted is a psychological drama. Mm, so uh, good. Night and Day was with um, with Tom Cruise and um, uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. It's like an action rom-com. Like spy rom-com. Yeah, like yeah. all of these movies are so drastically different, but I think that any one of them you can put on TV and like within 10, 15 minutes, you're basically hooked. And there's something to say there about Mangold's direction. Yeah. And it's just, there's something magnetic about it. He's really good at making things that are like universally yeah. palatable. Yeah. Just like, it's like candy. Yeah. You yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy. He makes um, popcorn movies. Sure. Like it's just yeah. easy to watch. Though I think Logan, I mean, I again, well, really love Logan. <laughs> yeah. That, one. Um, that was a bit more serious, but on yeah. A, on like more of a, it's just a really long movie. Ford versus Ferrari is it's two and a half hours long. It was a little long and it's fine. I mean, I don't know. That's a long, that's a long one. I don't think it totally earns that runtime necessarily. No, I agree. Um, but like going back to like the car junkie people, a lot of the fat that I would trim is some of the car stuff. Um, and a lot of people and they'd be like, no, 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 that's what the movie. And so yeah. I get it. That's fine too. Um, but then like, I don't need all the backstory on characters. Maybe I don't need all of the drama and some of the jokes don't really work. Like they're funny. There's a guy next to us in the theater that was just like laughing it up. And he was like a 60 something old white dude that mm-hmm. loves cars. I think. So whatever, that's fine. Makes I'm sense. glad this movie's out there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was I enjoyed some like you said, the roles and yeah. Cameron Cameron. That's fine. Christian yeah. <laughs> thinking about Cameron Diaz. Yep. Uh, I almost did it again. Christian mm-hmm. Bale, Matt Damon. Good together. Yeah. Heavy accents on both of them. Yes. They were a little distracting at first and then you kind of just forgot about it. Yeah, I had our time with Christian Bales. Yeah. It, it did feel a bit um caricature to me. A little caricature and almost a little forced in spots. Especially when he would say some of like the British swear words. Yeah. Like while he's driving, like he would say bollocks a lot and it just like came out wrong. Bollocks. Like, bollocks. It's yeah. like, what are you what are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh that's what's funny. funny is he is British. I don't is he? Yeah. Because I asked that to... I think, isn't he? Or is he Australian? That's, that's what I asked Gianna when we came out of the was like, is Christian Bale British? Because like he's really not selling that accent. I'm pretty sure he's British. I thought he was. Let's find out, because that's that's an important point. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of John Bernthal in this? We both like John Bernthal for different reasons, but what do you think? I think he was good. He was His character wasn't given a lot of screen time and a lot to work with. So, I mean, he was fine for what he was. It was well acted, but it was very brief. I think yeah. his, his character in summation was unimportant per se i feel like in history lee iacocca is gonna be a was a bit more important than bernthal's character in this movie yeah. so um i would have to do some research about that but as far as him in this movie i thought it was good yeah i, I liked would have liked more of him i like yeah me too when, i like seeing like a toned down like he always plays sort of the meathead yeah or super intense yeah like, and he was just like kind of funny yeah well-dressed and mellow dude i was yeah. like that's nice to see him kind of play somebody different a normal person yeah uh yeah i was funny i was on netflix right after I, I watched this movie and um a documentary popped up that's all about the 66 Le Mans. oh cool and you should watch it will i like will i care about it Maybe even if I don't care about that sort of thing. Maybe probably not. I like a well-made documentary yeah, it, more I, than the average person, but I haven't watched it all. I watched the first like twenty minutes okay. just to see how the cinematography looked and like what the narration was going to be like, and it's a much more behind-the-scenes look at all of this going down. Okay. I can tell already. So sure. like I'm I'm gonna say you should probably check it out. Deal. I'll watch the whole thing and report back. That'd be a great. That'd be a great flick pick next. Yeah. Time. Um, you got your homework cut out for you, I guess, at that point. Well, that and I'm gonna. I want to yeah. cover the Irishman. Yeah. So. It's not hard to just sit and watch Netflix. That's though. true. I mean, you have seven days to watch two movies. Like that's, I mean, that's Bro, doable. I'm gonna just change my <laughs> flick pick to the Netflix pick. Fine, like, yeah. Um, so my, my couch pick, 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 p
No. Pick? Like, I'm trying to figure out how to mix flick pick with couch potato. Potato flick. That sounds... Flick potato. Sure. No, that sounds dirty. I love that one. Uh, the flick potato? Sure. Couch flick potato. Sure. We'll figure this something. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So you could... I think, I think if not knowing this movie, you might sort of expect it to be sort of this big rivalry between Ford and Ferrari, which is kind of how it's advertised. But it's so much less about those two companies than it is about... Uh, Ken and Shelby. Mm-hmm. Ken and Carol. Yeah. They use their names interchangeably a lot. Yep. So uh, we'll say Shelby and Miles. That's mm-hmm. how I'm going to go. Shelby being Damon, Miles being uh, Bale. Mm-hmm. And I think that this works because of that. I think that if you had made this movie to be like some historical biopic of, like, I didn't want to spend any more time with Ferrari than we did, which I, so I think that was smart. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really need to see the Ferrari cars being built, even though it would have been cool. I think it was smart that they kept this movie about these two men for the most part. Yeah. Um, that said, how did you feel about all the rivalry scenes? Like you have sort of, they demoed it in the trailer a little bit, like the incentive for Ford, Henry Ford, the made overly clear so many times the second mm-hmm. um, reacting to like, and he called you fat. Like there's a lot of that sort of tension that tries to get built in a comedic way. Yeah. Do you feel like it worked? Did it need it? I mean, it was the underlying propulsion for the rivalry was, you know, him throwing money at a race program. And it was just essentially because of a bruised ego. Yeah. And at that period in America where business owners were, you know, completely different than they are today, maybe. I don't know. But it it was in an era where um, machismo was thick in the air. Sure. So I could, I don't know if this necessarily, I think it was in the movie enough to get the plot where it needed to go. I don't think it was too much or too little. I think it was just mm-hmm. present enough that, you know, Henry Ford II had a real fragile ego and, uh, you know, wanted to kind of prove his yeah, dominance like, and, you know. it's uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, if you're on Patreon, uh, you'll see this episode in a couple of days, but I just reviewed uh, Dr. Strangelove, the Kubrick film from the 60s with our patron Jared Schmidt. And that whole movie is based upon a premise that one military sergeant, basically because of a bruised ego, starts a nuclear holocaust. Mm. And it's just like this theme of of like powerful men starting problems because they're upset about something. Well, historically speaking, that's it's true. Kind of a through line. Yeah. And I just <laughs> I'm getting like it's bumming me out, I guess, is what I'm trying to uh, say. Um so to, it, yeah. yeah. Those those two movies back to back. Yeah. But I guess I guess <laughs> you know, if I had to pick one of those outcomes, a, a race versus a holocaust, I would choose uh, probably the race. Yeah. Have a race. Have fun. The master race, am I right? I don't know what that is. Oh, the master race. Sure. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> nice way to tie that together. There you go. <clears throat> uh, okay. So anything else you want to talk about before without spoiling stuff? I mean, without spoiling stuff, I want to see this again and I want to like take my dad. I think this is something oh. that we would really enjoy watching together. I mean, yeah. he was taking me to car shows mm-hmm. since I was a kid um, and he always liked Shelby's cars. Sure. So um, it's I, that's worth noting. Like that's the demographic. Again, it's like the same dude that was sitting next to us in the theater. Like, yeah. Because you can watch it in the in the in the machismo sort of guys like cars sense, yeah, and it works. Yeah, or you could kind of you could make it a little bit more emotional and philosophical, and it still works. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think this is going to get a lot of Academy buzz. Yeah, it's it's very wide in its um, casting of its net in its scope. Yeah, yes. sure. So, but yeah, I want to see it again, and I want to take my dad. I think it's something we'd really vibe on. Mm-hmm. We've both always thought cars are cool, and yeah. we go to race car thing races sure (laughs) those race car things yeah i called um an auto parts store a car grocery store i think that's awesome because i couldn't think of auto parts stores it's been that kind of day yep um so i think that's a enough of a review for me like i want to see it again and i want to take someone so fair yeah give me your uh you're out of 10 then out of 10 i mean 
you know, colored with a bit of personal enjoyment. It has to be. Versus, you know, was this actually like Brass Tacks a good movie? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it like a solid like 7.9. 7. I don't 9. think this movie gets into the eights. All right. Um, if I was just saying how much I liked it, it'd probably be like an 8.5, eight, 8.7, somewhere in there. Yeah. But like I have to couple it with there's a few problems with it and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But I think, you know, 7.9 is a fair rating. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I think it's it's a good family movie. You can take everybody. I think it's well made. I just don't really care mm. about it. Um, but I don't want to dock it too much for that. Like, I, I have a hard time because I do think it's a really good movie. I would rather see more movies like this about maybe things I don't know about as much than like another Hobbs and Shaw for sure. You know, just a movie yeah. for being a movie. So yeah, yeah, and I do think in the right light, these could be sort of similar in terms of like, um, like sort of the casting of the wide net, like mm-hmm. Hobbs and Shaw or any Fast and Furious movie really um, is just sort of like, like a studio just being like, blah, mm-hmm. let's see who we can get in the theater. Put more Corona make, in yeah, it. Yeah. Let's make nine of them. Yep. Um, and in that sense, I think this is, has a similar approach of like, let's get as many people as we can into the theater. But, mm-hmm. but I'm right there with you. Like I'd rather see, um, n- n- not that, you know, the rock and Jason Statham aren't quality actors in a certain sense. Um, but this has a little bit more substance, I think. Yeah. So I would absolutely like to see more movies like this. Um, but again, personal enjoyment. I'm going to, I'm only going to give it a seven, Okay, but it's still not like if I was going on only personal enjoyment, this would be like a, like a four out of 10, <laughs> but it's well-made. Yeah. So it's a seven out of 10 for me. I think that's a, a respectable rating. And a really fun thing too, from just watching that documentary, they did such an amazing job recreating like the insides of the cars. Oh yeah. Like, I watched that documentary in the first 20 minutes. I'm like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. They nailed the look of the interiors and the look of the racetrack at Le Mans. Yeah. Like, so for that, they got a lot of points for me too. Like it's uncanny yeah. how much detail they put into it. I didn't realize that it was a 24 hour consecutive, like a 24 hour race going mm-hmm. in. That's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Also, but I guess like they switch out drivers every four hours. Okay. That makes it a little bit better, I guess. But yeah, can you imagine driving a race car for 20? Well, that's what I thought for about half the movie. Right. And I was like, that's why would you do yeah, that? Like, they're going to die. Like they need some coffee. Yeah. At that point, it's like, why not make it 28 hours? Why not? Or why not make it 20? Like that seems like an absurd amount of time, but I guess like testing, that's part of it. Like test the machine and see if you can, and and the man and the machine together. Like there's a lot of, this is actually one point I wanted to make and I forgot. There is a lot of sort of like transcendent monologue about the feeling of like the pedal to the metal. Mm -hmm. And that stuff feels a little lame to me. Always. It's like, it starts and ends with kind of this monologue about like when you reach 7,000 RPM, which is a number that comes up a lot in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, you're like floating through. And it's like, okay, that that's part of the movie. that's only for car people. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are rolling our eyes. Right. It feels kind of lame to me. You're like, I don't know what it's you're like, talking about. I know what you're talking. I understand what 7,000 RPM is. I just, I don't, it's, you're, you're making it too, too ethereal too early for me. You're putting the RPMs on a pedestal. If you would have said it till the end, that might've worked. Yeah. The, the way that the movie goes, I think you could have argued that that works. But I think like setting our expectations that early feels like out of body um, connection to this machine is, is a bit, is a bit preachy. So I didn't love it. Okay. That's, I want to say that. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. That is all we're going to say about Ford versus Ferrari. Now, when we revisit this uh, movie later in the show, we're going to spoil it. We'll give you one more heads up. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to jump to a break so that we can open up our second and final beer. It's a beer that we have never done before from founders. Uh, It's called curmudgeons better half. And we'll be right back with that beer. So stick around. Okay, we are back. We had a, a fun adventure with our second beer. If you want to see what happened, you have to uh, follow us. Yeah, 
Follow us on Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema and let us know if you think what you're seeing is a normal reaction for a beer of this um, variety. And to my knowledge, it has been stored properly. Good, so great. I can't think of any reason why it should have done that other than uh, massive uh, um, uh, yeah. trauma slash infection. Right. Uh, so, so we're going to decide if that, that was uh, the case when we taste it here in a moment. But the beer we are talking about, again, it's Curmudgeon's Better Half. It's from Founders uh, out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's an aged old ale coming in at 12.7%. And here's what they have to say about this beer. <clears throat> what tames an old ale like curmudgeon? It's also worth noting that uh, curmudgeon is one of their other beers. Is it old curmudgeon or curmudgeon? Okay. It's old curmudgeon. I think it's old curmudgeon. Uh, the tender embrace of oak and sweet maple, that's what. The result is curmudgeon's better half, a harmonious matrimony of our deceptively smooth old ale brewed with molasses and time spent aging in bourbon barrels that have previously held maple syrup. Because all counterparts should be sweet, rich, and utterly delicious. For what it's worth, I do think it is just curmudgeon because I think they would have said old curmudgeon in that description. Uh, in any case, we're not talking about curmudgeon. We're talking about curmudgeon's better half. And I can't think of a day where I've said the word curmudgeon more than I have today. Yo, curmudgeon. Please don't make me say it again. What do you think of this beer? You've tasted it. Well, it tastes like curmudgeons. Okay. So what is that? Old. Great. Does it really taste old? Well, it's an old ale. Okay. See, I was making beer right. jokes. I'll let you talk. <clears throat> you know, for as gnarly as it looked, um, it's actually pretty good. Is that to say that it's only really good considering how gnarly it looked? Are you saying, regardless of how it looked, it's actually pretty good? Dis irregardless Perfect. of how it looked and the bubbles that were um, ejaculating out of it, it is surprisingly good. Um, yeah, aside from that completely, it's yeah. objectively not bad. I get a ton of brown sugar. Lots of caramely notes, a little bit of booziness, yeah, tiny bit of heat. A little bit of booziness, huh? Okay, maybe a lot. I don't know where you're at in life today, but for me know. today, it feels like a lot. Well, I just burped and it tasted like bourbon. So yeah, okay, a little bit of raisininess too. Tiny you got bit. that? A little some dates, perhaps. Yep, a little bit of that. Beer passed through the desert and acquired yeah. some datey notes. Sure. Datey. Do dates grow in the desert? I think so. I just remember from Indiana Jones when they're in that city. I think it's like Marrakesh or something. Sure. And Indiana was like going to grab a date and the guy stops him because the monkey was eating the dates and somebody poisoned him. And the dude's like, Indy, no. I think taking taking Bad historical dates. truth from Indiana Jones, you're already off to a good start. So let's say they grow in the desert. Everything I learned about life, I learned from Harrison Ford. Great. What could go wrong? Nothing. Your wives, I love you. I know you do. What does he say? I know. I know. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't like Harrison Ford. What? Yeah. Ooh. We can get it. Maybe I'll talk. No, it doesn't, doesn't apply to anything. I'll just say that once. I don't like him. I don't like him in almost anything. Have you seen The Fugitive? Don't love it. It's not that great. Uh, actually, no, I haven't seen The Fugitive, but right. I don't I don't really like him um, in Blade Runner. Don't talk I think he like kind of sucks. I don't really like him as Han Solo. Han Solo. I don't. What? I don't think he's that good of an actor. I actually think specifically Indy. his early stuff, his most iconic stuff, I just never buy it. You're talking about Indiana Jones here, sir. I actually do like Indiana Jones. <laughs> I should say that he works as Indiana Jones, but that's it for me. Like I know, like Han Solo is like that's like for sort of a tie-in. That's people's holy grail. It's iconic, of, and I don't like it. Wow, I know. What? It's just me. That's a really like it's a dagger. You I can't know. just drop that on me. You didn't know that about me? No. Yeah, I don't. He's not. You think we'd still be doing? That? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's crazy pants. Yeah, and maybe that makes me an old curmudgeon. I think it does. Maybe. I think you're a curmudgeon once you realize like I don't have a lawn. But I could see how I wouldn't want people walking on it. That's fair. I think, yeah. I don't know, man. I just, he's not, I don't know. That's There's some, weird. I know it's kind of a, a not popular opinion, but it's I just never buy his roles for the most part, hmm. especially his early stuff. Yeah. 
I'm more inclined. I liked him more in Blade Runner 2049 than I did in the original Blade Runner. Mm. I don't know. Well, Blade Runner 2049 was just real fucking good, too. That's true. The movie was so good. And I liked him even next to Ryan Gosling, who I love. Yeah. So I think that says something. Totally. So do you love the spear? That's what I want to know. No, I like it. It's really fine. I still feel like there's something kind of wrong with it. I don't feel that way. I think it's probably as advertised. I mean, it's 12.7%, very strong. It's super boozy, I think. Um, It does have sort of a molasses-y sort of mouthfeel to it. It's already flat. Well, yeah, all the literally all the carbonation I think is is out the top at this point. Yeah, something is wrong with it. Like it shouldn't do that. Maybe we'll email founders and be like, "Hey, is this is this kind of a normal reaction for this beer?" I would assume the answer is no, but it's always nice to hear, anyways. No, that's a silly question because that's not the right reaction for any beer well, ever. Okay, so how would you like to proceed with this? I conversation? would be more like, "Why, dude? Okay, like, have you had infection issues? Was there some miscalculations in the carbonation? Did you experience secondary fermentation, possibly with the addition of some?" maple syrup or something i guess i meant is this is this a pretty typical reaction out of out of this beer like yeah out of, out of this like i guess maybe a particular batch yeah i'm not gonna email and be like do beers do this well yeah sure no i wanted to say like have you guys basically had this com- complaint about these beers i have another bottle of this too so do you think it's the same batch it's gotta be i bought them they were like right next to each other mm-hmm. so i'm sure they came out of like the same case you don't have it with you do you? no it's at home I, I left it so i could take pictures of it um maybe i'll bring it next week and we'll just open it for science if you write that down i think we'll forget if we don't write it down i'm gonna put a reminder in my phone cool we're real people we set reminders on our phones i don't think that this is bad no it, it's i don't know it's not bad but there's obviously a carbonation issue and that is stemming from something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to get to the bottom of it. I would like to have this beer with a reasonable amount of carbonation throughout the beverage and the drinking experience. Mm-hmm. In order to give a fair rating, I would need a fair representation of the beer. This yeah. is flawed yep. in terms of carbonation. So it's going to get a super low rating. Let's just it, not rate it until next week. Um, well, I'm going to rate the beer I'm given. Are you? And the, Yeah. Knowing that it's going to be a flawed rating. And that you can't read it accurately is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. With the asterisk of this being either, you know, overcarbed and then just it dissipated. I don't know what would cause that specifically. I would love to know if you watch the Instagram video and you were hap- happen to be like a home brewer. Or just know more about beer or making than we do. A regular brewer. Yeah. Like I might text some Text some people, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually might just post that video in a couple of the beer chats because there's some brewers in there do that it. I'm in. Um because, yeah, I want to know more about that. So all that to say, it is a messed up beer for some reason. And I will come back with more information about this. Um, but I am going to rate it for what it is. It's it's like a, a 4.3. 4.3. It's a 3 for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not super enjoyable. I said in the, about the first beer, uh, the uh, the hazy IPA we did, that it's not so cloyingly sweet the whole way through. And this one is definitely that. Yeah. It's super sweet from start to finish. It's very hot, which is not, I don't know. I like a good uh, aged barrel aged beer when it's like you get that sweetness and it either mellows out to heat or it starts with heat and then kind of mellows out with sweetness. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of both of them the whole time. I feel like carbonation would maybe mellow it out and round it out a little well, so bit. So I'm not tasting zero carbonation. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Cause mine's flat as a pancake right now. Uh, yeah, I don't get that in mind so much. There's still something there. It's, okay. it's, it's light, but it's not, it's not like a flat beer that's been left out for forever. But, mm. um, so no, I don't, I don't know that more carbonation would help me get more balance out of this. Mm. Um, I just think it's not particularly, uh, well done. And if we get the proper, proper, maybe uninfected version, uh, happy to revisit it. But for now it's a three for me, 4.3 for you. See, that's the thing. It doesn't taste infected. Cause no. usually with an infection, it's like. Oh, that tastes like sour, rotten sure. awfulness. But like, I feel like this beer, other than the carbonation, kind of tastes as advertised. 
So. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. We'll mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah. We'll look into it. That's Curmudgeon's Better Half, uh, part one from Founders. Yes. To we're, be continued. We're moving into Hot and Bothered. Johnny, what's got you hot and or bothered? In our notes, it says video games. Yes. Please elaborate. Yeah, video games. I've been real hot and cold with video games this last, I don't know, when did we record? Like two weeks ago. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a run-in with the newest Modern Warfare. Uh, I went and red-boxed it for a weekend and then went ahead and picked it up. Technically speaking, my wife bought it for me. It was a very nice present. Thank you, Shalena. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately got, I wouldn't say immediately, after roughly four hours of gameplay, four to six, I got so mad because I was just having zero success because um, most of the viability long-term with Modern Warfare, Call of Duty, most for first-person shooters is the online multiplayer. That's what gives those style of games their longevity. The story mode is cool. I got like halfway through that. Um, But there's a real big problem, and it's my bothered, and it is the online uh, cross-platforming of this newest Modern Warfare game. Uh, Not only did they cross-platform it so you and I could play from Xbox to PS4, they also incorporated PC gaming in that. And if you know anything about PC gaming, it is head and shoulders, like Andre the Giant proportions, head and shoulders better than console gaming. Like more fun? Um, No, better in that you have incredible dexterity with your aiming, with your mouse. It's pretty much instantaneous. Um, So it's just a clear-cut advantage in like a realm of just not even being close to fair or fun. Right. Uh, I'm pretty good at first-person shooters. I've been playing them for like 12 years at least. Um, and I went like a whole weekend without getting more than five kills. There and I was just getting murdered mm-hmm. by kids on PCs. So I bummed and bumming hard on that because there's not even any way to like segregate it and be like, I just want to play with console people. So I rage quit a game and had to take it back. Fair. And that's a segue into my hot which is the new Star Wars game, Jedi. Nice. Jedi, The Fallen Order. Great. It's being uh, praised pretty much across the board by everyone on the internet as like the Star Wars game we've all been waiting for. It's an action-adventure-based story where you're becoming a Jedi and you're trying to resurrect the Jedi Order that has been destroyed. And there's new characters, new Jedis, new villains, and it's uh, really fun to get into that sandbox of Star Wars. And the gameplay reminds me a lot of the newest God of War, as well as the gameplay style. It's super, super integrated. There's not many cutscenes. It's all flows right from gameplay into the cutscenes. Right. Very cinematic. You're almost playing a movie, and it's it's really fun. It's gorgeous to look at. The story's cool, and it's just RPG enough where like you can customize stuff and make it super cool. Um, so already it's a superior game, way more playable, way right. more fun. And I am a huge nerd into it. Okay. Yes. Uh, play, talk video games with Johnny. Yeah. Do if it. you want to talk about borderlands? You can talk to me. All other video games. Talk to Johnny. Just borderlands. You play more games than that. You're no, real good at mortal Kombat. I, yeah, I played mortal Kombat a lot uh, mm-hmm. when I was or younger. No. I bought that game for Dude. Xbox one until borderlands got released. Yeah. <laughs> no. And you're, you have it for the Wii. No, I have it for the Xbox one. No, we were playing with the Wii controller. Oh, you mean switch. Uh, yeah. yeah, I do have one on Switch. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yep. That was and, a spontaneous, but I haven't played that since we played it together. But you're real good at it. Thanks. Mortal Kombat's one of those games that kind of transcends system to system because mm-hmm. it's basically just like learning combos yeah. for characters. Um, so if you understand the premise of Mortal Kombat, you're good at it yeah. on any system. And I'm going to give him more credit than he's given himself. He's real good at Super Smash Brothers. I am really good at Super real Smash Brothers. Real good at. Um, I'm uh, good Mario at a lot Kart. of games. I just yeah. don't play them a lot. Sure. I play Borderlands more than anything lately. Yeah. But that's it. Well. 
fine. If you want to pigeon your holes, pigeonhole yourself love, yeah. into only talking about Borderlands, you can. Yeah, it's a great game. But eh. So in other news, my hot this week is that I finally watched, and by finally I mean like it's been a couple weeks that it's been out, but every literally everybody that has brought it up has loved it. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a show on Disney Plus, which recently came out. You can get that for like $6 a month. It's called The Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorians, if you don't know, are a uh, tribe, a human-like tribe of people in the Star Wars realm. Uh, so segueing from your game into my show. Um, they are the people who are like Boba Fett. And the other one who I can't remember, Jango Fett. Yes. Um, they're bounty hunters for the most part. They're very good at weapons and stuff. You don't really know a lot about them in the the six. I still consider it six movies, but I know there's like nine or ten now. Eight. Eight. Nine. Oh, yeah, because of the... Eight. I don't know. Yeah, um, which kind of segues into why I like this. Every, again, everybody has said it's amazing. I haven't heard anybody say that it's fine. Uh, it's just really good, or people don't watch it because they're not into it. And I would have classified myself into the camp of people not interested because I, again, don't like really the recent Star Wars movies. They're not there. There's something different about them. Mm-hmm. I don't even love the old ones, but I like them. I yeah. realized how great they were, and I, I know they're part of the culture, so whatever. I, I like them enough. Um. But there's only three episodes of The Mandalorian out right now. They're about 45-ish minutes long. Um, and they were directed by the likes of David Filoni, uh, Taika Waititi, what? and others. Um, so if you know either of those directors and you like their work, I think uh, that is enough of an endorsement just to go check it out. But it's a really, really interesting uh, telling. I think it's it's cool that it – telling of the story of, of this, this Mandalorian bounty hunter. But it captures somehow the, the, like the magic in the world of the prequels. Um, and just the, of all the, of all the original six is what I'm going to say, but, but four five and six in particular, there's something about the way that it's shot and the special effects used. They don't totally feel up to date, but they don't feel old either. Um, it just feels like the directors and, and the cinematographers were able to latch onto some aesthetic that is intangible, but very, t- uh, noticeable. You can feel it, okay, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Nice. Um, and it works super well. I watched all three episodes, um, in back to back basically when I was sick at home yesterday and it was great. Um, I don't know when episodes drop, but if you haven't gotten a chance to check that out and you're a star Wars person, even a little bit, or you're a fan of good storytelling, which I think most people are. I am. Yeah. Check it out. It's the Mandalorian. It's again, it's on Disney plus. Uh, it's worth your time. I think. Can I ask you a little bit about Disney plus for anyone that's not super familiar with it? Um, would that be a worthwhile platform for other stuff? They have a ton of content, right? It have every Disney thing, which now includes star Wars and Marvel. So all the Disney channel, original movies from back when, if you're in your late twenties, when you were a kid, um, a lot of the animated stuff, uh, like Saturday morning cartoons, things. So on one hand, yes, that's the only place you're going to find those things for what is basically free. On the other hand, a lot of us already pay for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, and HBO, and now it's Disney+. And I'm just getting mad on principle. I think it's dumb, but what are you going to do? So sure, do it. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to watch those things, and obviously they're generating some new content. Have you heard of any other new content? No. That they're gonna, nothing? No, but I haven't looked. I'm sure it's on the horizon, and they have a huge playground. It's not even a sandbox. It's a whole playground. Yeah, like, it's, it's like a playground at a private school. They have so much money. They can make whatever they want. Disney owns everything at this point mm-hmm. in terms of giant Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah, and especially like with Marvel. I know like all the, the ones that were on Netflix are moving over there, right? So are they going to be producing, I think, Daredevil and stuff like that? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Either. So it makes me wonder like what more they're going to do and if they're – I'd be interested to see if they're going to do some of like the X-Men characters like series. Mm-hmm. Like if they came out with like a really cool Gambit series like The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. like that would get me to sign up immediately. Would it? Yeah. I love like early 90 – or 
late nine mid nineties uh, X Men lore. That was like the time that I got into them a lot. I'm torn because like when I start talking about this sort of thing, I also get excited, but then I take one step back and it's like, I, there's so much stuff that I'd rather watch, especially this time of year. Like there's so many good movies coming out. I, I don't know that I want to spend my time rehashing my childhood necessarily. Yeah. I mean, if it came out like a really good live action series that was like Wolverine, Sabretooth yeah. and like juggernaut, like running through walls. And I, like, I know, I know the feeling that you're experiencing. I just don't, I don't think it outweighs my other feelings. So like we constantly talk about how there's not enough time to watch all this stuff. And yeah, I've seen it. Like I get it. I, I think for me, especially with that example, not that that's the only option, but like Logan was good. I'm like, that's it. Yeah. That's it for Wolverine. I'm good. And at this point, like I don't really care about Marvel anymore. Like I was invested in basically the Thanos arc. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. Like I'll probably see the movies coming out, Yeah, but I can't think of a scenario where I'm going to go out of my way to, Certainly, like the only reason we have Disney Plus is because Gianna's a Disney fiend. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten it. I don't really care. Um, but I hear you. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on the content that they start cranking out. Yeah. We'll see. Interesting. There's interesting indeed. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you're good there, I think we, we start maybe talking some spoilers about uh, Ford versus Ferrari. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Let's get into it and wrap this sucker up. We shall now enter. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay. Um, spoilers. What do you want to cover? Huh. Well, the ending was real weird. I was so stoked. If you haven't heard the show before, the danger zone is we've all just walked out of the theater. We're talking about this movie. Like we've all just seen it. We're giving our feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. I was like, man, is he about to die right now? Yeah. I was, like, that was I mean, Again, it's tough because this is a true story, but I was like, that's a bull- That's cool. That's a cool move. I didn't see that coming. No, I was like, whoa. It also sucks that that guy died, I guess. Yeah, and if that's... I'm Not good. a guess. It sucks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, and especially if the timeline fits with, like, that's how it happened. Like, in the movie, he kind of got screwed out of actually winning the race by sure. some, like, technicality. Yeah. Um, and then what appeared to be days later died. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how true that is. Yeah. That seems exceedingly unfortunate. Right. Like Uh, dude, Ken miles just got the short end of that stick. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if that wasn't true, that's a weird choice to be like, uh, he was a real good race car driver. did all this stuff. was amazing. Great friends with Carol Shelby and then just died. I'm sure he did die in that way. I just don't know how close it was to that. Maybe it was that they don't really tell you like, one week later, yeah. though, the final conversation they have on the track after the 24 hour of the month is like, oh, all right, let me just go shower and I'll, we'll get on, we'll work on this new car. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, boom, new car. Yeah. But so you get the impression that maybe a little bit more time has passed, but not much. Not much. They it's, really do sell you on that. It's left kind of ambiguous. I'm stoked on watching the rest of that documentary to find out like more details about stuff like that. Yeah. Like, was that true? I don't really love the way they set that up too earlier on. Cause now that you know he dies, it's like there's that scene where, um, I can't think of the guy's name, but um, Shelby's sort of other mechanic guy, yeah. like jo- the Jonah, Pete, um, uh, Miles's son is asking like after, cause this happens to Christian Bale earlier. He's gets all caught on fire and then he gets out of the car. They put him out and there's this whole conversation where kids like, what, what if he dies? Like, as long as you get out of the car, you're fine. At that point, I was like, he might die at the end. Right. <laughs> like this seems there's a lot of car accidents in this movie. Like people clearly get hurt. And if you set it up with an old man full of wisdom talking to a kid about how drivers get caught on fire and sometimes don't get out of the car, he's probably dying. Yeah, that's a not so subtle foreshadowing. Yeah, I just I was surprised that it did it. I mean, I guess it's about him, so you can't really do it earlier in the movie. But it's it was a weird tonal shift to be like, oh, okay, that's how we're dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, and that whole last sequence with uh, Matt Damon and the kid, 
out on the sidewalk was kind of weird to me too. Yeah. Like this is really emotional moment. And then you can tell Matt Damon's getting choked up talking about his dead friend. And especially the way he felt about his son, the way that, 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 that miles felt about his own son, but Damien Damon's talking about it. And he says to the kid and it caught me off guard. He said, he thought he, what did he say, he was like, he thought you were, you were finer than frogs fur. Or someone's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what is the yeah. fur on a frog? Why would you say that to a kid? Where are you from? How is this grief counseling? Like, what is, I don't, there was such a, like, we're having this nice tender moment and you, I hear the, the phrase frog fur. And I'm like, wait, what? He went too, too deep in that the That was Texas. weird. That was so weird. Too deep. Too deep uh, in the accent. Yeah. I thought, yeah. And that's what goes back to what you're saying. Like the accent was maybe on point, but strange. Yeah. And that kind of pushed it over for me. It would have been different if he had like cool, like little phrases like that throughout the movie, it yeah, would have been maybe more believable. Didn't really. No. Like it was just okay. It just had an, an accent. Like and was, I feel like they asked the kid like years later because this was in sixty six. Yes. Like I feel like they asked the grown up Peter. I was like, hey, what did he say to you when you saw him? He's like, I, I don't know. Uh, finer than Frogsford, maybe. And they're like, oh, perfect. I'll we'll just keep that verbatim in the script. <laughs> yeah. No need to revisit it. It's perfect. It's fine. That was strange. Trusting the memory of a child. Any other nitpicks you have? <laughs> That was really it. I mean, and you covered a lot of the other nitpicks that I think people could have with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Time, it was long. It was long. That was one of my things, too. I was like, this, you yeah. you really have to earn it over two hours, and I think they didn't. I just, I was confused at times. Like, I'm fine with a two and a half hour movie, even if the movie doesn't earn it all the time, as long as it feels like the pacing is right. It For wasn't. me, it was like, I thought there were like three 24-hour Le Mans happening. Yeah. Le Mans happening, plural. Because, like, at one point, they're doing another 24-hour race, and I thought that was it. Yeah. Like, are we at the thing now? Yeah, and it, it just wasn't super clear to me. And like, there, there's so many re reiterations of the car they're working on, like, the car brakes. So they, like, have to – the car stuff wasn't made clear to non-car people. Yeah. And for as much time as they spend uh, leaning on the, the physics of the car stuff, mm-hmm. I wanted to understand it more. Totally. I understood when they were like, we're going to replace the whole brake assembly. That was made clear. But a lot of the other stuff was like, I don't know what they're doing. And it wouldn't have been hard to have like a Ford consultant that was one of the suits be yeah, there and have them just give down. them like the layman's like, we're doing this to make this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could have added that and it would have yeah. explained a little bit. And, and the would- only the only reason that's a viable gripe, I think, is because this movie isn't just about cars. Like totally. You, it's it's geared up to for an audience that isn't about cars. Thank you. Um, so like- I don't know. If you're going to market it to people like me, then you have to explain it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. Plus, yeah. like you said, it was it was ambiguous in like what was going on. And I think it would have benefited from some like big words on the screen in yeah. like 1966 font. Like, yeah, we're going to Daytona because that's sure. where the first race was. But you didn't really know that. Yeah. Uh, right. Did I already compare this to Remember the Titans? No. Because it does feel that way. I was thinking about that. Perfect. Like, m- minus, no, <laughs> I actually don't think that about Remember no. I think Remember the Titans is amazing. But like it has some, minus all the race stuff or most of the race stuff, I guess. Um, Are we talking race skin color or fair, race as skin in color? Okay. Um, although I guess they both deal with race. So nice tie in. Um, <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like it's all about like these two two men with strong personalities that are that are sort of trying to. Uh, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to like mm, work together. No, it's this is like a bunch of people in the middle. Oh, like trying to gr- uh, rope them together. Yeah, and like combine everybody's effort for this one bigger cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie, in terms of uh, story beats, plays a lot like Remember the Titans does. Like, I, I could kind of see where it was going just based on thinking of that template in my mm. mind going in. Um, and I don't know when it first occurred to me, but there's some very, um, 
very on the nose musical cues that happen in this movie. And it's like, all right. So like, like in remember the Titans, when, uh, I don't know, they get like the first completed pass against the extra racist team at the very end. It's like Creedence Clearwater comes in. It's like mm-hmm. that kind of moment happens a lot in this yeah. movie. Um, and when I took it in that way, I'm like, maybe this didn't need to happen because of if you're trying to make that sort of statement about how great these people were. And I don't know, it didn't work the same. Are you alive? I just got so dizzy. I got that. Oh my God. <laughs> I almost fell out of the chair. I'm so glad you didn't. Uh, me too. That's interesting. I want to watch the movie again, thinking about remember the Titans. It's just, a, and like when you put it up against one of the Titans, it's got nothing. Hmm. Cause I love, I love them Titans. Oh, that movie is so good. Uh, anything else you want to cover? That was my last thought. No, I think I'm there, man. I, I enjoyed it more than you, and I, I don't think it was perfect. I think it was definitely really too long. Yep. Um, but I still think it was worth the watch, and I think uh, I enjoyed it. And I think if you listen to what I said and you think you might, you should see it. Agreed. So if you do see Ford vs. Ferrari or Dolomite is my name or you drink Spooky Puppy or uh, maybe a contaminated version of Curmudgeon's Better Half, please let us know. We want to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. You can write to us on our website, freshhopcinema.com. Or if you've finally made up your mind to support the show for money dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. And please, 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 if you haven't yet, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. This show wouldn't be possible without Bailey Minardi. We'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.